morning and welcome to Burn After Pitching, the comedy pitching podcast where we have on a panel of creative types, we have them on the show to pitch their ideas on everything from TV shows to movies, comic books, ice cream flavors, you name it, we'll pitch it. Uh, joining us on this month's episode, we've got on our regular our regular panelists back again, we've got Andy Nordvall. Hello, welcome to all. And Sandra Demas. I decided to talk about some urban legends. And joining us for the first time, if you've listened to anything here on the Grand Geek Gathering before, uh, you probably know her voice. Let's welcome Betty Geek. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me on, guys. We're excited to have you on. Uh, Betty Geek, why don't you introduce yourself for our listeners? Sure. So you guys might have, if you guys are fans of the Grand Geek Gathering, um, other podcasts besides Burn After Pitching, which I'm the number one fan of Burn After Pitching, so I'm so happy to be here. Um, But I also do uh, Anyway with Sam and Tyler. I'm Sam uh, with Sam and Tyler. Um, I'm just known on most platforms as Betty Geek. Um, I have an Instagram and Etsy shop under Betty Geek. And uh, recently, Tyler and I have been doing those Marvel talkback shows once a week if there's a new like Disney Plus show out. Um, and then I get to do things like this and be on the on the uh, Burn After Pitching on the Grand Geek Gathering. Excellent, excellent. All right. Um, so this month's episode, our panelists have been tasked with pitching. We've got kind of a two related categories here, either a new urban legend movie, TV show, whatnot, or a modern cryptid movie, TV show, or whatnot. Um, but before we get into those pitches, our panelists are getting a surprise pitch. We haven't done one of these in an episode or two, but on theme, they are now tasked. They'll have a minute to think about it, but they are going to pitch a new urban legend based on a kid's show. All right. And we're going to, that's kind of the broad strokes there so they can think about it. I think um, there's, there's some precedence for this. Um, I think there was like a urban legend about, um, was it, I want to say, Hey Arnold. And maybe I'm just saying that because I used that gif on the burn after pitching Twitter account <laughs> today. Uh, but I know they did a whole episode dedicated to urban legends. Uh, and there's the urban legend of the kid who never left his stoop on that show. Um, <laughs> But also, but like, yeah, you know, like a urban legend based on a kid's show, like, uh, oh, like the what? Blues Clues guy, like the Blues Clues oh, guy. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, Steve? Not Joe, screw that guy. Yeah, original Steve, like, <laughs> became a drug addict or something. That was like an urban legend, um, I remember. Um, okay, so panelists, uh, have have you had enough time to think about your surprise pitch? Or do you need sure, some I, extra time? Because you're not going to get it. Ha, take yeah. that. <laughs> it cut out when you proposed it, so I'm just hearing it now. Yeah, like you mean sort of like uh, I know it's not quite a TV show, but that old one with Mikey from the Life commercials died from eating Pop Rocks and Coke. Right, that's um, a commercial, not a TV show, Andy. I'm true, but that's the type of thing. One. The type yeah. of thing, yeah. Or like I said, the Blues Clues guy becoming a, a drug addict and murderer. Maybe it was maybe it was just drug addict. Maybe it wasn't a murderer. But okay, so Betty, it sounds like you you were ready to go. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll. First of all, I love I, I love Hey Arnold. That's a great show, honestly. <laughs> so thanks for bringing that up. Uh, second of all, here's my pitch. Um, my sister is a bit younger than me, so I grew up watching this television show. Unfortunately, <laughs> it was the worst. And of course, it was like her favorite. It was the Teletubbies. It was like the strangest show. Oh, God. <laughs> and it was so oh, yeah. weird. And like recently, I just found out that they were like giant. They're like eight feet tall. They're not like little right like the people in the suits like they're huge like full like they're huge suits it just freaks me out more i think 
I don't know. Yeah. I, ha- I I don't know what I expected, I guess. But it was just kind of odd. Uh, just the whole thing just feels like a fever dream. And every once in a while, I'm reminded that, no, no, that was real, right? Yeah. And, you know, when you're growing up watching television, you know, some, some parents are like, hey, don't watch too much TV. It will rot your brain and stuff like that, which I guess makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> um, it will rot your brain. Don't sit too close to the television. It'll make your eyes go cross-eyed or, like, it'll leave your face looking weird or something like that, right? Okay, but one day, someone sat too close to the television and they were uh-huh. pulled into the TV, absorbed Ooh. by the Teletubbies themselves. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I have, really. <laughs> oh, okay. I would say that the baby, the sun baby, is oh, actually yes. an infant got that got placed too close to the TV uh, while Teletubbies on is got sucked into and became the sun baby on the TV show. It was actually the oh. first child they absorbed, so that's why it's like their sun god oh, person thing. You know, Gerber baby situation. You, you don't just want to do the baby grew up to be like Tom Hiddleston or something like that. <laughs> That's a good one as well. Yeah. No, you know, you know what's weird. <laughs> yeah. So what I remember about Teletubbies is that they would play some weird ass clip from their tubbies. You know, their their tummies, whatever. Yeah. The, um, the television and then they would, in their tummies. And then they would go again, again, and they'd play the same damn clip. And it's like this infinite loop almost of like kind of like a nightmare where you just have the same thing happening. Like that to me would be a nightmare. And there's a, even a nightmare on Elm Street where there's this loop that keeps happening, um, this time loop. So, I mean, that right there could be freaking terrifying. It's actually the memories of the people they have kidnapped. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, wait, I oh. can't remember because there was the second TV show made by the Teletubbies people. That was even stranger. Does anyone remember it? It was like, it was like Teletubbies, but it like took place at like a techno rave and they were all dancing to techno music. You're not thinking of Yo Gabba Gabba, are you? No, Yo Gabba Gabba is wonderful. This was like, they weren't Teletubbies. They, they, they had very round bodies and these little heads poking out of the round bodies. They looked a little like uncircumcised penises and they would just dance to techno music. And it was this. It was for it was the Teletubbies people who are just like Teletubbies. It's just gotten too coherent and not strange enough. We're out. This is our new thing. Well, that that was the thing with Teletubbies is like it got real big with the raver crowd. And yeah, no, well then oh. they catered to the raver crowd. Yeah, the, then it was it, like they leaned into it. Is yeah. it Tots TV? <laughs> no, it had it? like some nonsense name like Uli Bully or. Goomba Bamba oh. or something. Yeah. Well, not Yo Gabba Gabba. Are you really just a... talking about Yo Gabba Gabba? Do you hate No, because like my kids love the website oh, called... and you can actually do techno Booba. remixes of their music. Yes, yes. What was it called again? Booba. 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 That's right. Yeah, Booba. I yeah. I totally Googled it. Yeah, it's B O O H B A H. Yeah, they're freaking. Booba. Oh my God. No thanks. That was like head melting. <laughs> All right, listeners, go Google Booba. <laughs> I think the guests are Googling it right now. So your description earlier now makes perfect sense. Yes. Uh, yeah. My yes, mind didn't go to the gutter. Mind. They dragged me to that gutter. Gross. Oh, I do love oh, oh, the I remember on my phone. This is what those. Okay. I've seen these things around, but I didn't know like the context for them. I always thought there was some like designer vinyl toy thing that was like $400 at designer con or something, but okay. This is, All um, right. This is like, like, nope, like an acid trip, mushroom trip. I don't even know. Like, I don't know why any, any child would want to watch that. It's terrifying. Ugh. It, it looks like a yip yip from Sesame street. Try to eat a cupid doll. And it got like <laughs> stuck oh, wow. with the, the just half of the doll head sticking out. I, I gotta yep. say, I think Andy's description is probably the, the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're good. 
All right, All right, so we have um, okay, so we have uh, Teletubby Sun Baby. Um, <laughs> who wants to go next? Well, I had I I mean I'll go go, go ahead, Andy. Okay, well, I mean, um, I believe they did make a cartoon out of it, although it started as a commercial. Although growing up, commercials half the TV shows were essentially commercials, anyways. But we all remember Hungry Hungry Hippos as a kid. Yes. You know? Yeah, and you know what? You can't buy them anymore. You know why? Because not a lot of people realize this. Hippos in real life are utterly vicious animals. They kill more human beings than any other wild animal by far. Okay? They are mean. If you get close to them, they kill you. And with Hungry Hungry Hippos, there was this image of friendly, playful hippos. And we just had too many toddlers who saw the friendly hippos, loved Hungry Hippos, would crawl into the zoo enclosure and get murdered. This happened like three times, including totally to this like little kid that was like friends with this girl who dated a cousin of mine. So it totally happened. And eventually they just had to pull, but they had to cancel the Hungry Hungry Hippos cartoon and they pulled the game from the shelves. Just as like too many kids were like thinking that hippos are your friends and they were just, they were getting killed. That's my urban legend. Yeah. Hungry Hungry Hippos. It killed kids. Yeah. I, I remember reading about that. Yeah, I think, totally. I, I right? think there was a. I, I think it was one of like the first articles I read online back in the AOL days. Yeah, it was the first. It was the first one. It was maybe it was the first thing that internet helped spread awareness. Like you know, it was the internet that got <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos pulled. You know? It was the marketplace I, of ideas. <laughs> it was the first <laughs> first example of cancel culture. <laughs> oh, that's what I, I thought. Maybe it was like. It's representing gluttony, and so like maybe that wasn't appropriate. Uh, That's what I was thinking. I did hear about that when I was a bit younger. It's also very classist because if you cannot afford flat level floors, the game is is very (laughs) one sided. Oh yeah, (laughs) this is a good point. So mine, I um, I wasn't thinking necessarily of like um, pulling something out, but kind of doing a different spin on something that exists already. And that's with the Smurfs. Now I know I, I love the, the, uh, cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the movies came out and I was like, dear God, no. Um, but the thing with the cartoons, it's like Gargamel is really, really dark and he is pitched as this kind of buffoon who we overlook how evil he is because he never wins, but he's like super, super obsessed with this. And, but to the point also he wants to eat them. Like it's just Mm -hmm. such a weird, weird thing. So I want to see like a super dark take on the Smurfs where Gargamel is like absolutely represented as the vile wizard he is. And he is like an obsessed fan, like even with like cutouts, of like posters and everything all over his dungeon. Like he's just super obsessed with the Smurfs and then also wants to like kill them and eat them. So I want to see well, that. You, well, you know, that was the last episode, right? In the yeah, last episode, Gargamel actually gets one, to he eat. eats a Smurf. He gets to eat a Smurf. Oh. But, but what happens is he turns in, he eats a Smurf and it's just one of the generic Smurfs, but then that turns him into a Smurf. Um, and it's, it's really, it turns the show into a whole metaphor for uh, self-hatred. Um, Cause oh. all this time he was actually a Smurf. The episode only aired once. And I think only in Denmark. So like literally, like if you were a Smurfs fan, you want to see the last episode, like people would, would pass around VHS tapes. Like, uh, Look, I've the, never heard of that. The, I used to play the, the janitor game. at, um, the janitor at my church. Like he, he lent me a tape. It was the scariest thing. That sounds like he had other things tape. he was hiding. Like the yeah. janitor at your church showed you bootleg Smurf episodes and what else? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the alien abduction video. Like. <laughs> 
Did you, did you guys? Did, did, okay, so so breaking kayfabe for a second and, get, and getting real. Um, so, like, did you guys ever see the alien abduction like videotape that clips. went around in the eighties? All right, it was from clips. like yeah. I like literally my friend Eric got the tape from the janitor janitor at his church, which is why I, why I made that reference. A joke only I would get. Um, and like we watched know, there, it one night. Certain- it, there's a legitimacy there's a to like cachet. the janitor at a church. Like, is of course he's going to be the one to give a kid a videotape and say like, "This this is a real life alien abduction." Yeah. Uh, I can imagine exactly what this guy looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we and we watched it and we freaked the fuck out. We're like 15 and oh, uh, wow. we like legitimately because if you I forget the name of the video, but like if you know anything about alien abduction videos, you know which one I'm talking about. It's a family like at their cabin celebrating a birthday and there's like an alien ship crash and someone's like, of course, that's why the video camera's out because they're filming like someone's birthday Um, and there's like a crash and like they go out and they find two alien bodies and they bring them into the cabin and then the aliens like, like the rest of the aliens come to the cabin to get the bodies back and like the video ends with um like someone puts the camera down like on a chair in one room, but it's still recording, of course. And everyone else is in yeah. the other room uh, expecting the aliens to like burst through the front door. But the aliens come from like the back and they just like walk onto frame. One turns to- toward the camera and like lifts its hand up and points at the camera and the camera goes to like snow. It turns off. And that's the end of the video. We all bought it hook, hook line and sinker we all freaked out and thought we had just watched oh, God, a real that's a- so alien freaky. thing it's and like it's one of those things like i've watched it since and i'm like here's some dumb kids because this is no way this <laughs> looks even remotely true but we're all just like yeah, dude, oh, i think it was real um so yeah so alien abduction video um uh, Smurf uh, Gargamel wins. Um, I, I suppose I can give my uh, urban legend based on a kid's, we'll say kid's property. Um, okay, so I don't know if anyone else remembers, but like uh, there was a show uh, on Nickelodeon in the 80s called You Can't Do That on Television. Oh, yeah. Does anyone else remember oh, that? Yeah. Or, that's yeah, the, yeah. that's the origin of why Nickelodeon does slime. Yeah, uh, the origin said, of slime. Yeah. If you said, I don't know, on the show, a bucket of slime would be dropped on. Um, and some people, super fans, will also know that a young Alanis Morissette was mm-hmm. a cast member. Um, yep. But only true fans know that not only Alanis Morissette was a cast member, but there was another famous cast member by the name. Well, he didn't go by this name at the time, but that cast member grew up to be Jeffrey Dahmer. Wow! Uh, <laughs> like yeah. Jeffy D, Je- Jeffy D, and they're like, "Oh, Jeffy!" And so, like, <laughs> all the sketches that took place in Barf's Burgers like had a whole different meaning after it came out. That, oh. that was young Jeffrey oh, yeah. Dahmer. Uh, and that's my tasteless urban legend, Jeffrey Dahmer. You can't do that on television, Pitch. <laughs> I would love it if he was the one they would always tease, and then at the end he would always goes, "I'll get you, kids, one day." And he did. Oh boy. Oof. Oh boy. True crime. Uh, I've, been, I've been watching too much too, true crime lately. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a special that were his actual tapes, like footage of him talking, like in the prison or something, something, you know, after the fact and just being very, like, matter of fact about everything he did. And yeah. I watched it's like, it's like two hours long or something, but I, I got about like 60 minutes in and I was like, oh, God, I need to turn this off. It's like, it's too much right now, you know? <laughs> I think you made it halfway through and you're like, all right, I've hit my limit. No more. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I was trying. It was Good. like late at night, you know. I'm just, oh, God. It's pretty <laughs> crazy, though, like that one of his victims was actually escaped and they didn't listen to Pops him. Brought and, him back. Yeah. 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 
Yes, oh. like that is. There's a lot to unpack there, but yeah, yeah it's it's, it's really yeah, especially as they they thought I was like, oh, it's a lover's quarrel. Like we'll take right. them back there, but it's just like yeah, spend like oh, spend so a sad. minute looking around the apartment because um, that is a check the yeah. fridge. Check the fridge. Check I feel like that fridge. should be like in a in a perfect world. Let's let's assume a perfect world where like we can trust police officers. Um, check the fridge okay. should be like On one of the things. things. Yeah, like if if the cops like a search warrant, no matter what, um, should say check the fridge. <laughs> just for like the large freezer, the Dahmer clause from the fridge. Yeah. The Dahmer Although, like, that was like the weird. <laughs> that was one of the weird things, though. He didn't hide it. Like I think a lot of serial killers, they they make an effort. He just like threw it in the fridge next to the six pack, you know? No. Yeah. Uh. So that's the tone for this episode, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Murder, urban legends, uncomfortable <laughs> things. So let's get into our main pitches, shall we? So, okay. So um, who is prepared to pitch first? Who wants to follow got, Jeffrey? Yeah, I've who wants got to follow mine. Jeffrey? All right, Sandra, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm, I'm going first mostly because I really hope nobody picked this one. Uh, um, okay. All right, so... This story, this is going to be a film. It's set in East L.A. It's got a Mexican family. Um, there's evidence that this family just moved in. We've got, like, boxes uh, tossed here and there in this small apartment. You know, there's a bunch of family, extended family help, helping out. Lots of chaos. Finally, things settle down. And it's just the mom and the son and a couple of cousins and um, uh, mom, mom's age cousins, you know, adult cousins. So the mom's like tired she's gonna hang out with her cousin so she goes to put the son to sleep he isn't tired he wants to unpack his toys he can't find his comfort blankie and she's just like hey i'm 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 done for the night she's exhausted after everything so she makes him go to bed without his blankie and she's like you know what the kukui's gonna come and get you if you don't go meanies he's gonna come and get you and she's just kind of meaning it like lightheartedly but um she's a, she's a bit frustrated and then then she leaves like the kids like, oh, I have no idea what this is, but it's going to come get me. And I'm, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit scared. And so now he's in the dark and he's breathing heavily and he starts um, getting scared. He starts groping around for his blanket. He finally finds it and he clutches it and he just shuts his eyes tight in fear. And now the mom's just with her cousins, just kind of feeling bad, you know, that she was a bit more firm than she wanted to be. But they're like, hey, you know, just take it easy on yourself. You've got a lot going on. So the next day, the kid is, um, you know, he's in class and he's not paying attention. He's drawing and he's drawing the kukui. And he gets teased about it by his friends. They're like, ha ha, you believe in that? You know, they're laughing at him. So he lashes out. Teacher, you know, uh, calls him to the principal's office. And I don't know what happens to kids if they still get detention. But whatever it is that still happens to kids, that happens to him. <laughs> so so the mom is pissed now. You know, they just moved. Um, she's, you know, exhausted. And the kid's just kind of giving her a rough time. You know, she's she gets home. Um, so she doesn't know yet, but she gets home and, um, you know, she's tired, her feet are sore, but she's got to cook dinner. And then the kid shares this note or this email or whatever that he got that says he's in trouble. She's pissed now. He was drying the kukui and, um, he, you know, was cussing at the kids and got angry. So she throws his or she rips his sketchbook and he's he's devastated, you know. So she tells him he needs to straighten up or the kukui will come and get him. And she then she describes like this this ghostly creature who who terrorizes 
disobedient children. So like the reverse Santa Claus, right? So he's just now getting this picture of what it is and it's becoming more and more real. So then the second night, he's just got this picture in his mind and he's he's terrified. And then next night, next few nights, nothing really happens. He's not disobedient. No threats of the kukui. Finally, it's the weekend. Mama Tana, they head to a carne asada with the family. You know, typical big uh, Mexican family fun. There's dancing. There's a cute friend that, you know, her cousin brings along. That They start talking. They're dancing, drinking. Um, and the kid is playing with his cousins. He's running all over the house. Then he runs into the table where the, the mom and her, you know, potential, you know, hookup or whatever. They're sitting and he knocks over the salsa. It goes everywhere. Uh, and then the mom's just like, I'm leaving. You know, she's just, she's just tired of the way her life is right now. She grabs her son. She's, you know, kind of yelling at him on the way home. She just puts him in the room and slams the door and says, the cuckoo's going to come get you. So that night, the kid is terrified. You know, he, he knows, like, this is now the third time that, the, that I've been threatened. And so there's, like, a back and forth with the son in the room and the mom in the living room. And everything's just escalating. You know, the mom's pacing and the mom is... um you know, uh, on the verge of tears and she's looking at family photos that she doesn't have this family anymore. It's all broken now. And, and the kid is there and he's, he's freaking out and he's freaking out. And finally the kid screams at the peak of it. And the mom's about to like burst into tears, but the kid screams and are interrupting her. And she runs in there forgetting everything that she was kind of dealing with. And um, they look at each other and the son decides that he's going to make kind of the first move. And he sees how tired his mom is. You know, she's all just all upset over what she had been through that day. So he he says that, you know, he just wipes her cheek and he says, it's okay, mom. And that kind of unlocks everything that she was holding in. And she finally sees that, you know, she's terrified her son and she holds him and tells him that there's no kukui and that she's sorry and that he's safe. And so the next morning comes and everything is new. And it's like the sense of it's done. This this battle is is done. They're going to be a good family now and they're going to go on living their lives. But there's scratch marks on the floor of the sun. And that's it. My story. Oh, it's, it's like a reverse Babadook. Oh, Babadook. Like, <laughs> like it's the, the, the drama with the, the mother and son, but like yeah. with the background of a monster, but the monster isn't real. Yeah. Or is it? Yeah. Or is well, it? The, so I like that twist at the end. So the, this is where, like, the whole metaphor is absolutely like generational curses and like breaking those, but also the effects of that and like the the next generation actually actually speaking into healing the previous generation. So like that's the whole metaphor underneath all of that. But it's just, it's something I remember growing up with, uh, with hearing about the kukui. I had no idea what the kukui was. But it was supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be scared of it or him or whatever. Um, and, it, you know, this isn't like a reflection of my life, but but the story of the kukui, and that's kind of the joke, you know, that parents would say, the kukui's going to come and get you. But, like, words have power. So even think of, like, it and the words that yeah. have power. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my story. The kukui. That's really cool. Just a question. Do we know what what is a kukui? It's all over the place. Like, I, I was looking into it because I'm like, I don't, no one ever told me what the kukui was. I just thought it was some sort of like monster ghost thing. And like, in some cases, it's a creature. It's some kind of like a wolf thing. I mean, I, in this. It looks like I sharp always, teeth and a big, 
big mouth full of sharp teeth. Seems well, to be but like... see, then that that's almost like the chupacabra too, though. So it's one of these things where, like, at least for me growing up culturally, like that wasn't ever explained, and that's what made it so freaking terrifying. Um, so I don't think because like the Babadook was scary, and that creature thing is freaking scary. But you see him. I think you shouldn't see what this is. You should get like shadows or something, but you don't see what it is. Because really, at the end of the day, it's more about the metaphor of what the mom is saying to her kid in frustration and in probably what she grew up with and just the the space that she's in of a broken family and like, you know, moving and working late nights and all that stuff. It's it's what it's really what she's doing that she's in a sense, the monster. Yeah. It's like, um, the monster is like, like the child eater, you know, it's not like going to get the yeah. children. So like the, yeah. the, the overworked absent parent, like is the child, like that's, that's the thing that eats the childhood, you know? Yeah. 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 That's, that's a beautifully ugly metaphor. Well, it's so weird too, though, because those, all the things that I remember, well, at least with the Kukui and La Llorona, those had, were centered on children. And I'm like, that's so messed up that it's centered on children. Like, it's not even about right. the adults. <laughs> so, like I'm saying, it's like the reverse hand clause. It's not even like, be good so you can get good things. It's like, you better not mess up or you will straight get snatched <laughs> out of this home by some, like, unidentified creature thing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was also confused for half a second because of the like the radio personnel personality El Kakui. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, wait, not not the same guy, not the same thing. Yeah. Of course, I'd love wait, it I if he was the guy. Yeah, go to I bed, know. or El Kakui is going to come. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> no, I'll so, never get to sleep. So had had you all heard of the Kakui prior to like and outside of the radio guy or whatever? Like, did you hear of the Kakui before? Yes. Um, I was I I knew it was a one of the monsters of like Mexican lore, mm-hmm. but I didn't know like anything about it really. Yeah, I'm only a quarter Mexican, so I didn't grow up in like a household with my Mexican relatives. But like my tia, I would hear bits and pieces from like the cousins and everything. But I didn't. It wasn't ever threatened to me, so <laughs> I guess yeah. I was lucky. <laughs> Maybe you were just one of the good girls. Yeah, That's, I'm perfect. <laughs> No need for the kukui. It's ringing a bell now. I think I read about it, but yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't heard of it growing up. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, they they came out with the movie um, La Llorona, and I I didn't want to see it because I hated how they pronounced it. <laughs> so like, I'm I'm not seeing it on principle because um, it's like. Was oh, it pronounced? Oh, they're like, have you heard of La Llorona? And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you get <laughs> out of here, dude. Again. I will just. I will always know La Llorona. It's. Um, it's the band in Love and Rockets. And yeah, it sounded it like My Sharona. And I'm like, don't make it sound <laughs> like that song. <laughs> uh, only make it sound like that song if someone sings. Right. It to the yeah. tune I of that song. I was expecting it to be in the background. It'd make a good Weird Al. Yeah. Ooh, such a pretty one. Yeah. <laughs> we scary oh, she's one. She's going to take your children on a... Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That would work, <laughs> but like when mariachis. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I actually have heard a mariachi version of my Sharona, so I can. Exactly oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking that up immediately. <laughs> right after you watch the alien abduction video. Yeah. Oh yeah. So much. I, I might have to do show notes for this episode and just link to all the videos. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> all right, we've got El. Uh, um, pronounce Kukui. it for me again, Sandra. Kukui. Kukui. El Kukui. 
Uh, all right, we got El Kukui. Uh Who would like to go next? I also have one, so I can go if um, if uh, someone wants a minute. I'll go. I'm, I'm going to do it. Whenever. I'm, I'm going to go. It. I'm yeah. going to go now. I'm invoking ho- ho- host privilege. Host privilege. privilege. You right, go, this, Michael. I'm go. going for it. Okay, we need a is... sound effect for host privilege. Like, do, do, do. Host privilege. <laughs> I'll, I'll, add a, I'll have to look at what sound effects I have in the library. It's just lightsabers. <laughs> that's all it is. Uh, we can learn so much from morning zoo radio programs, I think. And that's, yeah. that's one of them. It's just a wolf howl. Um, okay, so this one, I don't know. This I, I found out about this urban legend while trying to find an urban legend that uh, was a little bit more obscure, like one one that I was like, oh, I well. want this to be news to me. Um, okay, so has anyone ever heard of Knock Knock Road? Mm, no. no. Excellent, because it is a pretty obscure urban legend centered particularly around Detroit, Michigan. Um, oh. I mean, you've and, already got the tagline, who's there? Who's there, right. Um, yeah. And, it, and Knock Knock Road is a great name for a movie. Uh, yeah. This is an interesting urban legend in that it has three distinct versions of what it is. Um, so to kind of give you each one. So Knock Knock Road is the name given to an actual stretch of road uh, in the vicinity of kind of suburban Detroit. Uh, and it's three different locations are said to be Knock Knock Road. And that's probably because there's three different versions of the origin of Knock Knock Road. Which means it really happened. Which means it, too. of course, happened. So one version is that the story goes is it's a babysitter is babysitting for a family. The parents come home. The father is going to drive the babysitter home uh, and he's driving her home and he makes a pass at her and she refuses and the dad kicks her out of the car. Uh, she leaves the car and slams the door, but her dress is caught in the door and the dad drives off and ends up dragging the poor babysitter behind the car and she dies. Um, and so forevermore, if someone is driving on Knock Knock Road, they uh, and they stop. Sometimes it's just drawer, and that's the ghost of the girl, like, haunting you. And then the third version is a group of teenagers are joyriding in their car, driving recklessly. Um, some versions, they're drunk. Sometimes they're just driving crazy. Uh, and they crash their car and flip it. And all everyone in the car is trapped in the car. Uh, and they're they're desperately like knocking on the windows, trying to get the attention of you know anyone who might be up and out that that late at night. Uh, but the car catches fire and they all die. Uh, so you know your car driving on knock knock road, driving recklessly or just stopped, knock on your window or knock underneath your car. It's the ghosts of the kids. Um, so three distinct versions in three distinct locations around suburban Detroit. Uh, giving the name Knock Knock Road. So, with that background, uh, the movie Knock Knock Road. Okay, so okay. Uh, it's a young teenager. So, like a fourteen-year-old babysitter is uh, she's babysitting the uh, dad. Like, is kind of a cad, but he he's not driving her home. But he offers to drive her home, and she's like, "No, you're you're creepy. I'm going to ride my bike." So she rides her bike um, and gets hit by a car. Uh, and killed. So the the young teenager is the babysitter, also the girl who's killed on on uh, killed on her bike. The uh, flash forward years later, the uh, son of the family that she was babysitting for is now a teenager, uh, and he um, is riding joy riding with his friends. Uh, the ghost of the girl knocks on the window. That causes the distraction, which causes the car to crash, and the son dies in the car fire. Uh, but we learned that he had a little sister who the, the ghost also babysat. Um, and so the little girl, who's now 
a young teenager herself, is kind of investigating the rumors of the ghost. And she discovers that, you know, like, she discovers that there's this urban legend that's cropped up about, like, her babysitter who died. Um, but now all the kids in the neighborhood, so we're going, we're riffing a little bit on Nightmare on Elm Street, where the ghost of the little girl, um, she's now kind of a vengeful spirit who is seeking revenge on all the other kids in the neighborhood that she babysat for because she blames being a babysitter on the reason for the reason she was killed because she was out late at night because she was babysitting so she's an evil vengeful ghost that the um that you know if those if those kids who are now teenagers are ever driving on knock knock road she's gonna get them she's gonna cause the car to crash she's gonna try to hurt them they might all they might not always die. Uh, they might just be injured in a car crash, but she she's after all these kids. So the, the daughter of the family has to try to find a way to put her, her soul to rest. Uh, but how do you do that? Um, so, so we get into a little bit of her like investigating like ghosts and the occult. Uh, and I imagine there would be like a kind of shyster ghost hunter group that she falls in with. Um, who then become like the target of the, the ghost's uh, ire. Um, and I don't know how to finish that because ghost stories are hard, but that's my basic pitch for Knock Knock Road, the, uh, the urban legend. I got an idea if you want. Yeah, what is it? Because, I mean, you were saying at the beginning we find out she died because she rode her bike home because the guy was being a creep, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's what, the, what the, the, the kids have to find out is that their own dad was essentially responsible for the death because he was this creep that made her bike. You could even have, like, mm. she was going to talk about it, so he ran her over, if you want. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And then that, out, yeah. Like, out there. Cause cause I love, I love supernatural films where they have the... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, well, I was just saying, I love the the supernatural films where there's also, like, the mystery. Like, I'm thinking The Ring, where they have to figure out what happened to undo the vengeful spirit. Oh, or um, What Lies Beneath, which is more of a... Yeah, thriller, exactly. But... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, that... Oh, of, of course it'd be Knock Knock Road. Like that's that's the only only way to that's the only way to tell that the movie. The tagline: Who's there? Who's there? <laughs> yeah, or she's there. Yeah, uh, Knock Knock. She's there. I love it. <laughs> All right, that's Knock Knock Road. All right, who wants to go next? Uh, I'm I mean, happy to. Although I'm, I'm thinking maybe we should let it. Okay, cool, cool. I mean, I also have uh, a, a supporting role in La La Rona in a, in a supporting role. I, I just hope I'm saying it right. Because, uh, because yeah, I immediately went to cryptids. I sort of think of cryptids as a form of urban legend. Because you know, there's no hard evidence. It's just the thing you hear from someone who heard from someone. Uh, that, and that's so, a, that's why I kind of put that that from a modern cryptid. Um, oh, cool. Because like Mothman, yes. And then I debated with myself about Bigfoot. I'm like, is Bigfoot modern cryptid? Because there are legends he that has go endured. Back. I yeah, mean, there like, was just that documentary about like the pot farmers who keep getting killed by Bigfoot. That that documentary is wild, by the way, because that is yeah, I've heard, I've heard. one of the best bait and switches I've ever seen from a, from a stream, <laughs> streaming service. I, from what I've heard, they promise you Bigfoot and then they give you a, a whole lot of racism. Yeah, you want to learn about racist pot farmers in uh, Northern California in the 80s? What? Watch the Bigfoot oh, documentary man. on Hulu. What? Oh my God. No, <laughs> we thank have met you. The, we have met the cryptid and he is us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I would love to do a modern cryptid. And the other thing about urban legends, uh, I mean, I know some of you do it because there's sort of a good urban legend is a perfect short story. You know, there's the setup, the complication, then the payoff. You tell it in five minutes and you're done, which is why it's so hard to make anything longer out of it. I don't know if you remember, there was the movie Urban Legend. Was it in the 90s? Mm-hmm. Yes. And they yeah. had to make it like all of the urban legends because yeah. it's really hard to do it about just one. 
kind of the same with cryptid. So, you know, I sort of want to do, if I may be so bold, the, the quote Avengers version of the cryptids. But of course, cryptids are different from superheroes. They're, they're hiding in the shadows. They try to stay out of sight and, you know, they're, they lead very lonely, secluded existence. And so I'm going to start out with a family that's kind of in the same way. It's, it's going to be about a brother and sister. Uh, it's 14 year old Beto. He works under the table at a crappy fast food joint. Uh, and, you know, basically also while keeping an eye on his little sister, Izzy, who hangs out in a booth. Uh, this is after their dad has gotten deported. And the mom is working six days a week at a nanny across town. So they're stuck in this very tough life, but they're surviving. Uh, and that is until one day, Izzy's getting harassed by this junkie. And this very odd woman who's always coming into the store named Latruza intervenes. And after she leaves, Beto discovers she's left with her food and that her sister Izzy has disappeared to return the food to her new friend. Beto follows and he discovers, he and Izzy discovered that there's actually this whole subculture of cryptids hiding out from humanity. Uh, so they meet this group and Izzy likes them. Beto's not so sure. And then, of course, the men in black government types show up. And Beto is, of course, terrified of getting in trouble with the government. You know, they've already taken his dad. So he helps out. He helps them track down the sister's cryptid friends. But the sisters warn them and they escape. So the agents decide, well, hey, we can't get the cryptids. We'll just detain Izzy instead and transfer her to ICE custody. Uh-oh. So Beto needs to save his sister. And he's in a pickle because who can he turn to for help? Well, he has to turn to the very cryptids. He tried to get apprehended in the first place. And they are not happy to see him, you know. And uh, But, you know, they still feel they they, they kind of owe Izzy. Izzy helped them out and Izzy was nice to them. So, and the cool thing is we have these cryptids who spend their life hiding their lives in fear, doing everything they can not to track attention. But they also have these special abilities that, that are going to help them and help Beto find and infiltrate wherever they're keeping Lizzie so they can rescue her. After all, you've got La Llorona. She is great at scaring information out of people. You have Latruza, who is an owl woman, so she can fly. They have a skunk ape who is, you know, good for the muscle. And by the way, I, I'm recording this from my family's home in Pennsylvania. We have Pennsylvania's very own cryptid, the squonk, that can cry so hard he turns into water and then can reform, which is great for passing through security checkpoints. I also think I'll have a melon head. There are these tiny little guys in New England with like huge heads and tiny little bodies. I just recently learned about the lemon heads. Yeah. Yeah. The melon heads. Yeah. Um, I think, no, melon heads. I'm not sure what a melon head is good for, but they look super weird. And I figure I'm going to need some comic relief. So heck, I'm including a melon head. They're so the minions they, of this franchise. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no. It's like if minions <laughs> were deeply disturbing instead of cute, which I am so there for. So yes, melon heads, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll have three and they'll do the whole thing where they like stand on each other's shoulders in an overcoat. I, I think there's an urban legend where Melanids yes. actually do that, you know, which is great because you, you'll have this overcoat that's always getting into arguments with itself, you know. <laughs> I, I just like the description of one of your characters that says that he cries so hard he turns into water like that. Yes, that's pretty that, amazing. <laughs> that is the squonk. It is so ugly that it cries itself into a pool of water and then can reform. So his pain becomes his strength, which, you know, I always like. So, of course, they, they managed to infiltrate the black site. But, of course, this was all 
a ruse. Izzy was bait to trap the cryptids. Now, Beto does get an opportunity where he can grab Izzy and get the heck out of here. And you know, that is what Beto at the beginning of this story would have done. But he's grown close to this motley band of cryptids. And, you know, he feels sympathy. He knows what it's like to live your life in fear on the margins. So, you know what? He's not gonna betray his new cryptid friends. Instead, he's gonna free all the other cryptids that are in prison there. So you get this climax, which is this mass jail uprising where all these weird creatures overpower their captors and stage this mass jailbreak and everybody gets freed. So in the end, uh, Beto and Izzy's group of cryptids are now part of this larger community. Maybe it's large enough to band together, find a place off the grid and finally build a home where they don't have to live in fear. This does mean they have to say goodbye to Beto and Izzy. We have that ET-esque moment of like saying goodbye. But let's remember These cryptids are also pretty good at keeping to the shadows and staying out of sight. And we do get a sense that every once in a while they might sneak back to check up on their human friends, Beto and Izzy, from time to time, you know, just to make sure that they're safe. And that's my that's my cryptid movie. Nice. It's like I'm gonna Right. I'm gonna maybe make Michael happy here and say that it kind of sounds like like a a movie you love, which is Monster Squad. Absolutely. That makes me happy too. Yeah, I was thinking of the moment when the little girl's like, the f- she's like, don't go. It's <laughs> just floating away. Yeah. She throws him her stuffed dog scraps. <laughs> yes. I, um, this is this is going to be very weird because it's not really at all what you're like your pitch, but it reminded okay. me of um, have you seen the movie uh, No Such Thing? With Sarah no, Pauly? I've never heard of it. It's yeah. a really interesting movie. It's not necessarily a good movie, but it's a very interesting movie. Uh, but yeah. the, the idea of like um, a a monster kind of living on the fringes. Um, it's about a um, a troll that lives on an island like uh, like in Norway or something. Um, and he just he's he just wants to be left alone uh but people like humans keep bothering him and he like he kills yeah. and eats them like that's basically it but he somehow befriends um this Sarah Polly um who her, he killed and ate her like fiance uh cuz he was like a reporter on a, like a news team trying to like interview the troll uh and she goes to kind of confront him and they end up like striking up a friendship um and then it gets into like a weird kind of like she brings him back to civilization and there's some like fish out of water stuff but like the the monster in the real that world is a weird twist this yeah. is a, it is a really weird segment uh but the reveal is that he's he literally he like he's lived for thousands of years and he just wants to die, but he can't. Like he's immortal, uh, so that yeah. becomes finding a way that for him to die is essentially like the plot of the movie. <laughs> but like the, the the monster in the real world, how like people kind of relate to it, the weird friendship that can come of it, just made me think of of that movie. Um, so I recommend it as a like um, like if you're ever curious about a a movie about a, a troll who gets a makeover <laughs> and hangs out. I, mean, with Sarah I just Paul. gotta wonder: is there like the scene where like the troll and Sarah Polly, someone asks like, so how did you guys meet? And they're like, well, it's a funny story. I had a fiance. I think so. Like, I think that they're pretty open. That he's, he's eating people. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I ate those people. They're like, they're trespassers. Oh, okay. I guess, I guess you can do that. So. I mean, I, I see that can fly in red state America. I'm surprised it doesn't Norway. you know, <laughs> you know, property monsters, like cryptids, existing and having a kind of parallel life in the modern world 
It makes it like more believable too that like people might have seen them throughout the years. Yeah, you know? and there might legends about them might be only like partially true. Like, yeah. Right. They might like some of them might look like monsters, and they might their legends might involve like killing children or people. But like, yeah, it's kind of overblown. They don't actually do that, or they did that for yeah. a little while. You know. I mean, or, it's or funny how many reasons. cryptids are like Bigfoot essentially spins on Bigfoot yeah. or the Loch Ness yeah. monster. You know. Right. Although what is it? One of, I think the I think the 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 Bigfoot in Montana wears a top hat. What? <laughs> he wears a top hat and he tears the genitals off cows, which is or cattle, I should say, which is a real mixed message, you know. You know, yeah. I am from Montana, and I don't know if that is um, that is necessarily uh, true. <laughs> Can it please be true? Oh, the top hat Bigfoot is not is not true. Okay, I I don't think so. Dang it! I could be getting the state wrong too. But yeah, Yeah. I'll 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 find out where he is, and I'll I'll, he's he has some weird name like Tuaho or something. I don't know. I'll find him and and but but just just googling Bigfoot in a top hat. There are a lot of artists who really take that idea and run with it. (laughs) (laughs) There's one, um, and I thought about doing this uh, a little bit, but there's a. do you guys know the the Nukalevi or Nukalevi monster? No. Or, it's a it's a crazy ass. I think it's like Gaelic. Um, so it's not a modern cryptid, but it has like a um, an interesting modern story with it. So it's a skinless horse um, ridden by a headless skeleton, um, and it's and it it's on and it, like. And it's supposed to be also on fire, um, wow, but it's, it's like more like head- going on. There's a lot going on in that, and it like haunts the roads at night. Um, it's and- like a cryptid designed by committee. Skinless horse. Yeah. Oh, let's add a skeleton. Horse, and it's on fire. Skeleton, oh, wait, on fire. yeah. Um, yes, I have heard of it. It's not. It was called something else, though. Uh, well, there's a weird thing where, like, in I think like the late 1800s or the early 1900s, there started to be a lot of sightings in like New Mexico of people swearing they saw this monster and like so much were like like legitimate sources like people who weren't necessarily crackpots but people like i saw something crazy and i don't really uh believe in in this monsters but i saw this crazy monster um and people who did not know like that 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 there was a name for it they'd be like yeah there was like this creepy looking horse that had a like a, a headless skeleton on it that was like riding around my farm and so like they like sent out the authorities like sent out hunting parties to hunt this thing down and they found it and what it turned out to be was a red-haired camel that the rider had died while tied to the saddle and had like oh my god withered away to a skeleton and the head had fallen off and it was just like it was and they realized it was um an escapee from the camel corps like for a very short period the american military cavalry had tried out using camels in the southwest and this was one that, that had escaped, uh, and its rider tied to the saddle had died and became a skeleton. So, it, like, it kind of like a weird looking horse, like, okay, maybe not skinless, but like a yeah. weird looking horse. You could see, like, okay, a camel, I guess you could, like, at night, you know, you could mistake it for that, but definitely a skeleton riding it, um, which I thought was like, that's a crazy ass story. Uh, yeah. But, there's, but it's a crazy ass story, but there's not much of a story there. It's like, there's this legend about this monster. Something similar to that monster appeared for a few months and they found in New Mexico, and they yeah. found it. The end. Like a well, it's it's a great twist, because yeah. cryptid stories never end, and they found it, you know? Right, right. right. It'd be like a great like X-Files or something like that. 
Yeah. Where it's like, <laughs> oh, we're investigating this supernatural thing. It's like, oh, it turns out it wasn't supernatural. Or was it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, all and right. Files used to scare me so bad as a kid. And I tried to watch like the reboot because I love Joel McHale and he's in it. But I couldn't do it because like something in me was just like, God, this is too scary. Like I saw one alien and I was out, you know? Or the like, X-Files. <laughs> yeah. So Michael, earlier when you were talking about that video, it just like though I have never seen it, but like when you were describing it, it just freaked me out. But I'm still gonna go watch it because I like to be freaked out. I guess. But oh, the alien abduction <laughs> video. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna put it in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so Betty, that leaves you for your pitch. All right, my friends, here we go. So actually, when you reached out to me about this, I like was super stoked and immediately started, you know, okay, going through the 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 roll call, the the notes of like, okay, what legends do I know about? How about researching one I did not know about right so that's what i did i found out about the alaska triangle have you guys heard about that hey burn after pitching listeners you might have noticed an abrupt sound effect that i will add when i do the edit for this episode we had a little recording accident as often happens on the show because literally i barely know what i'm doing when it comes to audio and in the middle not in the middle literally a minute into betty's pitch for the urban legend show it cuts off so here a week after the fact two weeks after the fact actually i have invited betty on just me and her and she's gonna give her urban legend pitch so betty by all means sorry to hit you hit you with this so late after we did the initial <laughs> recording good go ahead give it's us your pitch good. thank you michael so anything to get the word out about the alaska triangle they can't hold us back I can't do this. We have to get the word out about it. So um, we'll 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 try again. You know. Um, okay. So I'm not exactly sure where it cuts off, but I'm just going to go for it from the top. Just go from the um, top. Yeah. Okay. So my pitch is about an urban legend I recently learned about uh, when I Googled urban legends, <laughs> and I found one I didn't That's know what about. I, and I did. wanted. To... Yeah, yeah. Because I, I like learning, and I wanted to learn about something new. Um, it's something maybe like that wasn't close to my home, so I don't have to be scared. <laughs> um, so I am a big fan of uh, learning about legends and, and, and weird spooky stories, but again, not like nearby me. So when I looked up urban legends, I saw one that was the Alaska Triangle, and I was very intrigued because the Alaska Triangle takes up like the majority of the state, and it's a similar situation to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, but this is all like mountains and ice and forests and lakes, many, many lakes in the Alaska Triangle, which, by the way, I did not realize how many lakes are actually in Alaska. Um, as somebody that loves geography, I had no idea. Um, I anyway, think it's so, called the land of a thousand lakes. Is it? No, really? it's not. No, Michigan oh. is the land of a thousand lakes. But oh. Are, oh. You're, you're telling me that Alaska should actually be called the land of a thousand lakes. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, yeah, there's many. So, and especially within the proximity of the Alaska Triangle. So with, uh, with a lot of dangerous areas, geographically speaking there, a lot of people do go missing. Um, basically, uh, this, there's been a lot of tales over the years. Um, and it kind of gained traction when I think it was when it, like a Senator w went missing in a plane with a couple of, um, friends or other politicians in the 70s i think it was the 70s if not it was like oh no i'm I sorry it was the 70s I, i'm i'm a little familiar with it i think so or okay. very early 80s i was gonna say yeah yeah 
Um, and then it was like a whole like, oh, it was like a whole Russia thing. And it was a whole like conspiracy thing. And, and really, who knows the truth? But it kind of uh, gained popularity. And, you know, with its mystere, like people wanted to go explore and actual scientists conducted tests. They said the electromagnetic energy up there is extremely high and um, it can cause people to get a little woozy. So there's like actual physical evidence of weird things happening up there, but we just don't know what is causing it. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of intrigue there. So um, with that, of course, there is a lot of legends that I feel like do have some truth to them because they have to come from someplace. And with all of the legends over the years, having like similar details and they could be like from very different cultures. I just, I don't know about you, Michael, but I could be a true believer, you know? Um, I, I, you know, I, I like the idea of mystery, um, but ultimately I'm a skeptic. Uh, But the, the idea that there are these weird phenomena and kind of like unexplained things in our world in some ways is comforting because it, it, the, un- the unexplainable lets you kind of relax a bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little fatalistic. It's like, well, you know what? A Bigfoot might just kidnap me. So, you know, live for the, live <laughs> for the day, you know? That's right. Yeah. Uh, seize the day, as it were, because otherwise you might be seized by Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I am a skeptical person, but I'm also not willing to throw out like something I don't believe that's out there just because in my world it doesn't exist like who knows it's a big universe out there you know so I'm like well let's rule out like actual physical evidence first and if not sure it was a ghost you know <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not like I'm not Why beyond not? that um but anyway so I guess a little that's a that's a brief background on like the Alaska Triangle uh there's many many um Inuit legends that come from that area um and, you know, now that uh, I do have some of my notes, but I forget the name of one of the creatures and I, I, I'm like the worst. I'll, I'll remember it as, as I pitch, I'm sure. So oh. my pitch is for a limited series because I'm a big fan of the streaming service limited series because they can kind of do what they want. There's no like network rules like you have to fill in 45 minutes each episode and how many episodes. It's kind of like they take the time they need to tell the story. And I think that's a really, really great way to tell a story because in my opinion that's um that's the best way to do it and it can also kind of bend a little like ratings uh, rules and you know maybe go a little bit darker sometimes and you know mm-hmm. and, and runtime just... is like a is a very important thing because good storytelling yes. rarely works on a 22 minute or a you know 48 minute like time frame with commercial exactly. breaks. So streaming works, although sh- some shows are still formatted to have kind of very strong act breaks to keep you engaged. It's not as artificial mm-hmm. as needing to make commercial uh, breaks for commercials. Right. Exactly. And I'm kind of like, it's causing me to reflect like, what have we been doing this whole time? <laughs> you know, it's like, geez, but I, I understand it's, it's money and stuff like that. But anyway, so I'm here to pitch today a show called Trying Tales of the Triangle. And it is a five-part limited series. Um, it, it, they're, they're episodic. Um, it, sort of, yeah, it's episodic. But it all takes place in the same triangle. It's just each of the five parts deals in a different decade and a different creature. Um, 
So I, I, I love a good period piece, you know. Um, there, there will be camp, by the way. This will be kind of campy <laughs> at first. Uh, we love that. A little Ryan Murphy action to uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and um, I did talk to you about the... Um, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I don't know what got caught out or, and what did it. Oh, I, I'm sure it did not make it. Because the worst part about yeah. your audio cutting out is I also have to cut out everything after oh, it. Because no. sometimes so it'll just be a like, we'll be, you will have said something and we'll be responding yeah. to it, but we won't hear you. Right. So it's going to be, this episode is going to be amazing to edit. I might just let it, let it run through. Um, and guess what and I just, say? Yeah, and just have people like, <laughs> what do you think Betty said at this point? Um, right. What do you yeah. think, listeners? Like, <laughs> subscribe, and, and comment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, oh talked, uh, we talked about on the original episode about uh, American Horror Story uh, and yes. that anthology. And um, I guess and I, it might not – I think it was out, but I think it hadn't hit um, the same way yet. But Fear Street on Netflix, that it's – they're movies, Correct. but they are also a – over there's a overall story told for in that take place in different decades um so you can i believe you can watch each movie individually but you're supposed to watch that all three in a very specific order and that tells a whole richer story so like i like that kind of overarching meta storytelling being done oh me too yeah i i feel like there's a lot of room for creativity there and then also within that like i mean like i said i love a good period piece too so I know they jumped around a lot and like I may have I may have taken some inspiration from that too because I really loved that idea. I thought it was so cool, especially knowing that like the story, like the legend could span over time like that. That's mm -hmm. kind of scary, right? <laughs> it's like yikes. So um so anyway, so for this five part series, we start off with a classic, a nineteen fifties. Um, like I mentioned earlier, there are many different creatures that have said to be Sighted, seen and and um, you know people fallen victim to victim to allegedly these creatures. So Bigfoot, of course, he's there. <laughs> um, so this one is it takes place in the 1950s, and um, two teens are you know going on a date night. Of course, classic. They're in the car, you know the they hear a noise, and uh, the guys putting Earth the angel is playing on the radio. Right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they hear a noise outside. The guy gets out to investigate because he's macho, of course, you know, and he uh, he just gets ripped in half by Bigfoot <laughs> very, <laughs> you know, violently. But we might not we might not see it all, but we'll definitely hear it or or maybe see it in like a silhouette. And, uh, you know, the girl's freaking out. She might be a little relieved, but she's freaking out. And uh, <laughs> and she's she's worried about that. Bigfoot takes her and he's going to take her back to the cave. And uh, then female Bigfoot comes out, and she's pissed. <laughs> she's pissed. So she just um, she just annihilates everybody. That the Bigfoot as well. Um, she feasts on on everyone. She has like this like glorious like Thanksgiving feast. Uh, it's just it's very brutal. It's very brutal, and it's uh, very campy as well. So we love that. I also like to pay ode or, or pay um, homage to like classic um, like film. Uh, styles or um uh what am i trying to say uh, like techniques you know like the way oh, okay. they, they yeah. shot things you know i feel like there's room for that too in the series we jump to the next episode they're not they're in sequential order but it doesn't necessarily follow like 50s 60s 70s so we're mm. jumping to the 70s for the next episode that's going to revolve around the loch ness monster um and there is like this uh 
in, in we'll say in real life, there is this legend that there is like a Loch Ness monster underground cave tunnel situation um, because it is in like, you know, it, geographically speaking, they, they fall in line with each other. Um, Loch Ness does uh, with the Alaska Triangle, where allegedly this version of Loch Ness was cited. Um, so this is a camping story with like this recently orphaned kid and his uncle and they go to a fishing trip in this lake and it opens up and like you know briefly see something in the water and they kind of dismiss it the next time they're out there on a long fishing trip they they actually see the Loch Ness monster and he has like cold dead eyes as it was actually described by like somebody in real eyes. life <laughs> <laughs> is what like a doll's eyes like a doll's Jaws eyes reference. yeah very glassy yeah <laughs> But he's actually nice. Uh, the Loch Ness Monster has proven to be gentle. And um, the kid actually ends up befriending him. And it's really his only friend at this time. The uncle sees an opportunity to make some money. And he is also unsure and kind of upset that, you know, his nephew has befriended this monster and he thinks it's dangerous. But again, he's willing to make a profit. So he lets the boy befriend him a little bit, gets comfortable with the kid. And uh, and then he harpoons the the monster. He misses uh, and ends up taking out the nephew. So oh, who's the real monster here? Who's the real monster now, Nessie? So now the uncle goes to town and yeah, the Loch Ness monster took my nephew. Ah, it's tragic. And so they go on a search and they they're unable to find the Loch Ness monster. So uh, he he maybe escapes. He goes over to Scotland, right? Yeah, he uses the <laughs> um, the, yeah. the tunnel system. So does the, the uncle, he gets arrested for his nephew's murder and he rots away in jail. <laughs> yeah. No well, one will believe yes. him about the, about the Loch Ness right. monster. Yes. That is the, we'll say it's the alternate ending. Cause I feel like it's kind of cool to see like how ugly society could be <laughs> like in a scary <laughs> story, you know? And it's, it's just tragic. It's tragic. Um, but I, I do, I do like a good ending too. Some, maybe some justice. Um, yeah. So we, his we now for the, yeah. Yes. Yeah, maybe a post-credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we jump to the third episode, which I didn't really write much for because it's just aliens. Because, of course, we have the classic Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and, of course, we have to have aliens, you know? Of course. Um, it's, a, it's, you know, it's the triumvirate of unexplained phenomena that everyone everyone experiences. The Holy Trinity, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, in we'll say, again, we're going back to real life. Um, people have said that there's aliens there and there's, you know, all this stuff about it. Of course, of course. And like the energy is big up there because of the aliens and all that jazz. Um, when I was a kid, I was actually terrified of aliens and like X-Files. I still cannot watch like even the new X-Files with Joel McHale. Like it still kind of freaks me out. Like just the music alone. Oh, I know it's cheesy, but it freaks me out. So I feel like this episode would scare me the most. Um, and uh, anyway, episode four, we jump to the 1990s and, uh, you know, we tune into some ska music, of course, test some ska music because we get kids from L.A. <laughs> you guys caught me on this one last time in the real recording. We get kids oh, from yeah. L.A. that travel up to Alaska. So they're not Alaska natives. So they're bringing their their amazing ska music with them. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're bringing ska to the great white north. That's correct. Yes, of course. And uh we uh our, our creature of the week for this one is the ice gnomes. And Ooh. so um I didn't do I didn't do much uh research on these ice gnomes. I saw pictures of what they allegedly look like, but I 
I didn't want to be swayed by any of the real stuff because I came up with something I thought was kind of fun. Um, so there's a lot of avalanches, like, you know, snowstorms and all of that jazz. Basically, people die in the snow more than they die from, like, bear attacks or something like that. There's, like, some weird statistic about it um, up in this region. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to think that, I mean, in a dark way, that, you know, <laughs> ice gnomes, they, they eat people. And they trap people in their uh, in their, their avalanches. Um, so once they... The avalanche is actually not what takes the people out, their victims. And um, so what happens... I'm sorry. What happens is these three kids, they're all siblings. They go up to visit their family member in Alaska. And they're like, I don't want to. And it's this whole thing. Their youngest sibling gets taken out by an avalanche. They get all like disoriented. And at that point, that's when the ice gnomes strike. They are able to dig through very quickly and bear the ice and make these little tunnels, right? And so they go and they snatch up their, their food and they take them back to the cave. So the, the kids go out and they go all like, by this time in the, uh, they've heard these tales of, of everything from the Alaska Triangle. So we're well equipped now. We're, you know, they're trying to go out and they're trying to, <laughs> to, uh, take down these ice gnomes and get their sibling back. Um, the, the one kid brings their Walkman, right? And it gets discovered by the ice gnome. The ice gnome listens to ska and then they just blow up. They end, <laughs> that's how they destroy the ice gnomes <laughs> is with their ska music. And it's super cheesy and I love it. Um, and they end up getting oh, wait, a little homage to Mars attacks with like, the, yes, exactly. The yes, exactly. Of course. Yes. And, Where, um, ice gnomes can't stand a, uh, a, a trumpet trio blasting yeah. away. <laughs> ah, the two tone beats. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. And and I think I'm, I don't remember the actual original ending for this one. So I'm kind of like making it up as I go along. I'm trying to remember it. it, But, but, uh, but you know what? It's, it's the revival. We love it. Um, And now for our final installment of this five part limited series is uh, we're full on apocalyptic. Like we're, well, we're ready for the apocalypse. So it's, it's present day. We've done our research. These kids have heard all about this. Alaska Triangle, and they've realized, like, you know, all the strengths and weaknesses of this region. So they have, they're equipped with everything, right? Um, so now they're, they're about to face off, like, the mermaids. Uh, and I, I forget how you say the name, but they're scary looking. In, in the legend, it's an Inuit legend, they actually hunt kids that um, are near the water. They pull them in the water. They eat them. They have oh, like, yeah, they're the, brutal. The, the classic they're like a uh, folk tale of like kids don't go by the water because there's a monster in there that's going to get you. That's correct. This monster is terrifying. Like they, if you look up artwork for it, it's like, I wish I could remember the name of the it's there's like a Y and a P and a C and a K or something like in within the word. And I'm not remembering it. I'm so sorry. Anyway, um, right, I'm going to see if I can find it here. Okay. Uh, but I'm yeah, if, you, if you look it up, um, like an image or like artwork that what they allegedly look like, it's terrifying. And I love it. And I feel like they, they look so cool. It would be so cool on screen. Um, okay. Essentially their friend goes missing. Like this group, you know, there are heroes, our protagonists, one of their members goes missing and they have to go down, as I mentioned earlier, the, uh, like the underground tunnel system, right? So there are pockets of air in these places. So certain okay. creatures can still live and not be seen. 
Um, and it's known in the lore, and I'm making this part up, as the Devil's Charm Bracelet, because you go through and each little bubble has a different creature in it. Um, by now, the Bigfoot is extinct, so they go through, like, the first phase of it, right? And they see, like, the Bigfoot skeleton and maybe some bones from maybe some other victims. Um, mm -hmm. So they're now extinct, um, and they go through, they, they know all the tricks and how to get through, like, you know, the Loch Ness Monster's nice, and... You know, so they don't have to worry about that. They know what destroys ice gnomes at this point. Uh, so they, they've come equipped with their ska music. Uh, but they get to the <laughs> final stage, the final boss, as it were. The uh, the mermaids. And they have to fight them. And so... Um, and I looked at the name. It looks yes. like, uh, you know, no idea if this is the correct pronunciation, but Qualapalak? Q-A-L-U-P-A-L-I-K. Okay, so there's no Y. It was a Q. But anyway, Qualipolic. Yes, yes, that's it. Thank you so much, Michael. Thanks for doing that research. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, mermaids can actually walk. These mermaids can actually walk on land, and, and they thrive mostly in water. But since, uh, you know, if it snows up there, they can actually take that moisture in uh, and walk oh, on land. Okay. And so in the uh, in the frozen storms, they're able to um, to get their victims. Um, and they they drink their blood is what they do. Anyway, <laughs> you know, all the nice, all the nice stuff. Um, and I guess like children's blood is sweeter or more nutritious or something like that. Um, so that's why they typically go after children. And that's where the legend comes from. Um, and I'm making that up, of course, for the sake of the story. Uh, <laughs> that, that makes sense. I'd buy it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So that, I, that and that really kind of wraps it up. And, you know, uh, it's kind of like that final phase where we've we've learned from the, from history. So hopefully it doesn't repeat itself. And we're going to take out the final boss, which is the Qualipolic. And they look so cool. I feel like we need to have that more in, in more media because it looks cool. And if there's any media with it, that's not just like a documentary. Uh, let <laughs> yeah, me know. a fake documentary on on Animal Planet. Um, yeah. An alleged did, sighting. Did you, did, did you see that that mermaid fake documentary on Animal Planet or on? Oh, and it's like it's actually like a manatee. It's a, it's fake, but when they advertised oh. it, they presented it as if it were a real documentary. But it's and it's oh. done as if it were a real documentary. Like this is That's what we, we, is it? Is it a, satire? No, it's very straight. Uh, it's. <laughs> um, you know how like Scream is a parody of slasher films, but in being a parody, it is the perfect slasher film. Um, yeah, it's it's like that. Is it's a parody of those kind of like wildlife documentaries, but it's about mermaids, and it's oh my god, and it claims that there's like footage of a mermaid on a beach, like, and it's one of those things where you see it, you're like, this is so fake, but they advertised <laughs> it. And presented it as if it were real. And there were That's so many amazing. complaints that they had to add when they re-aired it, they had to add a disclaimer saying this oh is god. this is for entertainment purposes only. This is not real. Oh my god. Oh, just anytime I see something on the Animal Planet or not I just said Animal Planet, I don't know why. Uh Discovery Channel or something like that where it's like, Oh, the first ever or we found the world's largest or we found a a certain, you know, we, we discovered the treasure. It's like, I think I would have seen that on the news before I saw this right? episode, though. You know That's I mean? all those treasure hunting shows, like yeah. the Hope yeah. Island or whatever, whatever that one is called. Yeah. I'm just like, what's the, or like, even like the ghost hunting shows. I'm like, I know you're never yes. going to find anything, because if you had, it would have made the news before the episode airs. Like, so exactly. what, what's yes. the point? Um, but, but getting back to Qualipolic, 
uh, real quick is there's a movie uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it called Cold Skin. Ooh. I don't think they're necessarily supposed to be Koala Pollock because um, I think it takes place like closer to Antarctica. Um, it's okay. a it's a horror movie. Um, it's very good. It stars uh, that guy Ray, uh, Ray Weiss. No, that's not not Ray Weiss. Ray. He was on Rome, and then he played the Punisher in Punisher Warzone, uh, and he played uh, um, Volstag in the Thor movies. That guy who I oh, cannot think of his okay. name, but it's him um, and another like younger actor who I, I can't think of his name. But they are essentially like um, working like a remote, like I, it's not like a lighthouse because it's because I don't. It's not like the movie The Lighthouse, but it's like a remote research <laughs> station where it's like this young guy who's supposed to be a researcher. Um, is essentially dropped off on this island where he's, he's expected to live for like the next six months and like take notes and study wildlife. And there is a, there is a lighthouse that is run by a lighthouse keeper who's batshit insane. And he warns him like, uh -huh. you don't want to stay here. Of you course. need to leave. You need to leave. This place is dangerous. But he's like, I'm a scientist. And he has like a cabin like by the, <laughs> by the water. And the other guy lives up in a lighthouse. And the first night he's there, his shack gets attacked by creatures he manages to fend them off. And then, you know, the lighthouse guy's like, yeah, they come every night. You're going to die. Uh, but he's like, no, please let me like live in the lighthouse. And so they, the science. yeah. And so he gets, you see them and they are, they are mer creatures. The, so the scientist guy, like he lives in the lighthouse and every night they're essentially under siege and have to like fight off these sea creatures. And they discover like, of course, cause oh monsters are man is the real monster is like, they are attacking because humans are there, but also the lighthouse keeper is essentially keeping one of them as a, he has an inappropriate, uh, gross relationship ah. with a female of this species that he's keeping prisoner. So we don't get like flagged, uh, and trigger warning. Um, and it's, it's real gross, but <laughs> like the scientist guy yeah. is literally in a thing. Yeah. It's like, I have to like live with this man who is morally horrific or die. Yeah. yeah so the monsters, they're, they're, they're mer creatures. I think they're, I don't think they're supposed to be Kuala Pollux, uh, but they might, that might be part of the inspiration behind them. Uh, but it's a pretty good horror movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I watched it on Shudder. Yeah. So if anyone has Shudder, I think it's still on there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's a cold, cold skin. skin. Yeah. Ooh. Actually sounds good. Yeah. I, I, I recommend it. Like it's, it's pretty good. It's a good tense. Team mer creatures. Yeah, murderous mer creatures siege movie. Get them. But they're just seeking justice. I mean, I would do the same thing. Fun, fun stuff. I really like that pitch. I, I like... Thank you. Man, uh, they're, remember? do you remember 50 States of Horror, that series? I think it was a series. Or like, a, I forget what oh, channel yes. it was on, but it yes. did like kind of like urban legends and, yeah. and horror folklore from all the states. I think I saw something when I looked it up, when I was researching like what to, what yeah. to pitch. So I think something about that came up. Yeah, definitely. I would love a narrative series and, every year. Start with Alaska. Yeah. Okay, okay, so 50 States of Fright is what it was called. 50 States of Fright was a horror anthology that debuted on Quibi. Uh, yes. Remember Quibi? On April 6, 2020. <laughs> wow, that was a win from April 6 to October 1st. Oh my um, God. 24 episodes. That was 10 years ago. <laughs> that was, it feels like 10 years ago. Boy, did yeah. that uh, streaming service that you watch on your phone launch at like the worst time, right? Like, arguably, <laughs> that's kind of the joke is it launched oh during quarantine where everyone was stuck at home. People had their TVs, so they didn't need to watch on their yeah. phone. Exactly. Oh. Yes. And on that note, 
I want to so thank good. Betty for coming back on to re-record. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, and for, thank you for being me. a fan. Uh, I I do like the Alaskan Triangle anthology yeah, urban can. legend series. I think it would be a hoot and a holler. I think I'm going to say that in every episode now. And since uh, I yes. might uh, have to plug this in later, Betty, why don't you give your plugs? Tell us where our listeners can find you. Sure thing. So... I am known as Betty Geek on most internet platforms, uh, like Instagram, or I should say, uh, just on the on the internet, I am known as Betty Geek, uh, Instagram, Etsy, and sometimes Twitch. I also do a podcast on the Grand Geek Gallery Network, where you're listening to this now. It's called Anyway with Sam and Tyler, where there I am known as Sam, and sometimes Tyler. No, it's mostly Sam. Um, and uh, I do art and stuff like that, and it's I like being creative, and I love shows like this that really like foster creativity and just get the brain working in a creative way. So thank you. Michael. Thank you. Um, Sandra, Andy, what do you have to plug? I'm perfectly open to just, you know, stopping by and saying hi, you know, via the internet, you can find all my links to everything at andynordvalt.com. I've got a book uh, called Siren Songs. I did with the wonderful artist and frequent burn after pitching guest, Don Wynn, uh, web comics and just other stuff, including this podcast, you know, which, uh, uh, I hope people listen to and leave reviews for. S'il vous plaît. All right. Sandra. Yeah. You know, tell us. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the things. So, um, I'm not as cool as Andy. I don't really have, uh, stuff that I'm producing, but I do have lots of opinions and you can find them all on, um, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Hey, Hey, it's Sandra D. Uh, most active on Instagram just because I like pictures. Um, and yeah, great dance videos. Let's let's be friends. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. That's my other alter ego. uh, The things you manage to do in heels. I, I, I can't. Yeah. The heels are in heels. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I, it's so funny because I'm very used to dancing in heels that when they're like, you can take your heels off now, everyone. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to have to. Yeah. I wouldn't even want All right, and I'm Michael Tanner. Uh, you can find me on my website, buymichaeltanner.com, uh, where you can see articles, videos, short stories, links to my web store. That's buymichaeltanner.com. Let's see, you can also check out my new comic book, Orcs in Space, issue one. Uh-huh. Came out early July. Issue three, it's a double issue. So issue one and two came out July. Issue three will be on the shelves beginning of August. It is a hilarious series. I will be up my own butt because I just reread that issue after not looking at it for over a year. It's pretty funny. Uh, please check it out. Orcs in space. I also, I was just a guest on a podcast called Do We Like? Uh, it's a very fun show hosted by a couple, Robin and Eric. Uh, it's a very funny debate show. Check it out. Do We Like podcast. This has been Burn After Pitching from the Grand Geek Gathering Network. Thank you again to uh, Betty Geek and our regular panelists, Andy and Sandra. Uh, if you have a pitch for us, being uh, for this episode, Urban Legends or Cryptids, or any episode we've done in the past, please tweet at us using the hashtag BurningPitch. While you're on the Twitters, follow us at BurnPitching and follow our mother network, the Grand Geek Gathering, at the Grand Geek G. At Twitter's. Also check out the website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, where you can find articles and reviews and links to other great podcasts and content. Our theme music was done by Carlisle Laurent. And I know you have a lot of competition for your ears. So again, thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next month. And don't forget to GGG. Perfecto. <laughs>